When I was a teenager, I loved being in the church. I can relate to this story with Jesus so well. Because when I, as soon as I could drive, I would get in my car and I would sometimes just show up at my youth director's office. I wanted to spend time. I wanted to ask questions. I wanted to seek answers. And I wanted to listen to what she had to say. There are so many formative stories that I have of growing up in the church, of those moments where adults took the time to sit down with me and listen, to listen to the struggles I was having, the questions I had about the Bible, the questions I had about my own faith, uh, the questions I had about my friends' faith and how to help them along their faith journey. So I showed up to my youth pastor's office so many times that she started to ask me questions as well. She used to say, you know, are you a member of our church? Because I grew up Baptist, I'd always assumed that if you just went to a church, then you were a member of that church. And as far as I could remember from age 12 on, I had been going to this Methodist church. And so we discovered in the records that I wasn't a member and that I had in fact missed confirmation. Because I had spent so much time in the church overall, I guess it wasn't something that I had really noticed as being something I needed to be a part of. So at 17 years old, I went through confirmation one-on-one with my youth pastor, Jenny. During that time, we sat together and talked about all the elements of faith. I asked a lot of questions, she gave a lot of great answers, and she also asked me deeper questions. You know, those conversations that you have with someone that's very knowledgeable and you know they know the answer, but instead they just ask you a question to kind of make you search for that answer on your own. So over the many, many months of visiting her, I finally was confirmed. So when I think about this story, In the Bible, when we hear about Jesus doing a similar thing of sticking around in the temple a little bit longer and sitting down and talking with the priests and, or talking with the teachers, not priests, but the teachers and the the leaders of the church, it makes me think about that, those formative years when I myself was there. You know, on this Sunday after Christmas, this day after Christmas, we hear about this story in Luke chapter 2 of Jesus the boy in the temple. So right after his family um, had an extended family and others in his community in Nazareth had traveled all the way um, back to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. They had spent all of their time enjoying um, this festival, um, going to the temple, um, spending time with extended family and other people in in their faith community for days and days on end. And the festivities were over, much like today, our festivities are over. Uh, there might be remnants left of the packages and of all of the, all of the things that have upended our homes. There's sinks full of dirty dishes or um, bedrooms to put back together because we've got, we have guests staying or coming or going. Um, and so we find the very similar situation with Jesus and his family um, in this story today. So the festival ended. Everyone in their whole caravan started the long journey of walking um, back to their homeland. 
So then Jesus, of course, is missing. Mary and Joseph look around and think they're with someone else. He's with someone else, and they can't find him, and so they have to go all the way back to Jerusalem, and then they find him in the temple um, there, spending time with the leaders in the faith, the elders. You know, it makes me think about, um, you know, this is the first time that Jesus gets in trouble. You know, we've heard a few stories in Luke already of Jesus' birth, of course, and then of his circumcision, and then of Simeon and Anna, who were celebrating him in that moment of dedication. Um, And then, you know, we hear of him at the age of 12. Right at that age where the pushback for the parents and and the pushback to become your own identity becomes real. So having children myself, I understand how that is. We get our fair share of pushback. But I understand also there's more to come. So here we find this preteen Jesus who is trying to establish himself as an adult. In this culture, um, you know, men and, and girls became adults at 13. So here at 12, he's, he's essentially saying, well, I'm trying to be grown up, trying to figure it out for myself and understand my own faith for myself. It's so similar to our ritual and our gathering an important time of confirmation. And so in this story, um, I find it funny that he uses the like, you know, I'm doing what dad said, you know, card, like the play on the mom and the dad situation. And meanwhile, leaving Joseph out. So whenever, you know, his mom and dad finally find him, he says, wouldn't you know that I would be in my father's house? You know, with this little talk back moment. And, you know, it's interesting because Mary thinks, you know, well, which father? Oh, God, that father. <laughs> Poor Joseph. Poor Joseph. He's probably had a rough time um, being the son of God's earthly father. So I think that Jesus really didn't feel like he needed to ask permission to stick behind because He's exploring and and coming into his own identity as son of God and what that might even mean. And it also makes me think about the importance of a a community of faith in that formative time in our lives. You know, I think about Christmas and I give thanks and gratitude for it. Yet even, you know, in the midst of our Christmas, we're seeking often, I know I'm guilty of it, of of a picture-perfect Christmas, you know, the perfect Christmas card, which, by the way, uh, was a major Brown family fail this year. It didn't happen, and I'm trying to understand that it's okay that it didn't happen. But we're seeking this picture-perfect Christmas where, you know, everything is just so, where the meal is perfect, where everybody's outfits are perfect, where um, everything will go exactly as planned, everyone will behave themselves, people won't act out, children won't misbehave or act out. And, you know, it never really works out that way because people argue or there's a relative that acts out or your children don't do what you hope that they would do or there's sadness or there's confusion, there's anxiety. And so in the midst of this story today, I see those things as well. And it reminds me that even in this holy family, this family that is raising the son of God, there are real life moments where there's anxiety, where there's confusion, where there's pushback and negotiation. So I'm grateful that this family dynamic exists in the Bible. 
it lets us off the hook a little bit to realize even the Holy Family didn't have it all together. <laughs> you know, Jesus teaches us in these moments that it's important to question and it's important to grow in our faith. So as Jesus is coming into his own and understanding his role and identity um, as a leader in the faith, he's spending time with people in the congregation, with these leaders in the temple. So I think about how important it is for young people to have intergenerational relationships in our church. I mean, we hope that our children grow up with more influences than just their parents or the people who have raised them in their household. I wonder if you can think of a time in your life or think back to your childhood or um, some of you younger folks, think back to last year <laughs> or the last, last few years. What are those moments, those relationships that mattered in the life of the church? Who are the people who took the time to sit and listen or allowed you to question or helped you find your own answers or gave you solid ones when you really needed it. You know, our youth and young people today, growing up in the pandemic as it is, really need relationships. You know, it's been difficult in the pandemic time for us to connect with one another for very obvious reasons. It's been difficult for us to really dive into these relationships because we've had the, the understanding that we need to be separate or we need to isolate or protect ourselves. But I think there's ways to be creative and find ways to create space for those relationships. Because our young people need us. They need us more than ever. So I wonder today how we might continue these relationships create spaces for intergenerational worship, create spaces for intergenerational conversation so that we might participate in this formative time for young people to show them that it's okay that things aren't like they should be, to show them that, it, that it's okay that nobody is perfect, no family is perfect and show them that pushing back and seeking answers is a normal part of our lives and our faith, that even Jesus did it. But I find it interesting at the end of this, of this um, story, even after Jesus has a moment with his parents, you know, why are you searching for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? You know, after this, um, Jesus turned around and he went back to Nazareth with his, with his family. Then after all of this, as they were walking back, I assume, it says his mother treasured all these things in her heart. This phrase is the same phrase that is used when Mary comes to understand that she will bear the Christ child. Mary is one who considers and thinks and prays and ponders. So I invite you to do that today to wonder what it might be like to be in relationship where you give and you receive with others in our congregation because we all can grow in faith and we all can grow in the likeness of God 
And we all need to spend more time in our temple. Thanks be to God today. Amen.